0: Welcome into Texans All Access. On a Tuesday, I've got Mark Vandermeer, Drew Doherty. I'm D.P. Sidhu. I wanted to, Mark, before we go anywhere. Yes. I woke up this morning. Mm -hmm. I was on my phone looking at Instagram, and I instantly thought of you. Why? Because DeAndre Hopkins' Instagram was hacked.
1: Was hacked, yes. So early
0: this morning, I start my, his Instagram feed's populating with pictures of some Instagram model. Right. Clearly, it's not him. The they name were clean, had changed, by the way. They're clean, uh, as what I saw. I, I guess I'm
1: saying this in support of the hacker. You know, <laughs> like, I mean that's terrible.
0: Like I hate, <laughs> I hate what he's done. But, but on the side note, but I thought of you because I remember being in the studio a few years ago. We left for a game. Yes. And your Twitter it's got
1: 2013, hacked. wasn't it? Yes, yes it yes, because hacked. it
0: was about Matt Schaub. Because
1: Matt Schaub got traded for was it Josh Gordon? That was the yeah. trade. That was the that trade. The hacker put on there <laughs> on my account. <laughs> And I was giving uh, Vanderkid too a bath. I mean, I think he was still yeah, it's twenty thirteen, so he was yes. like nine months old. I was giving him a bath, and my phone was blowing up. But it was my birthday. It was our. It birthday. was our birthday. Friday night. It was a Friday night. It was our birthday. We have, we share the same birthday. And I'm thinking, oh, my phone's blowing up because people it's my are birthday. just wishing
0: me happy birthday. I thought, birthday I thought again. it's
1: nighttime. Like <laughs> the phone would be blowing up earlier in the day. So I just looked, and it was um, it was Tanya Ganguly calling me. And I'm like, Tanya doesn't call me, so and she's not wishing me a happy birthday. So I picked it up. She said, "Hey, did your Twitter account get hacked?" It's too loud. That's not how. Sh- <laughs> and, and I instantly said, "I'll call you back." And you know. Honey, take care of Andrew Kid too. Really <laughs> Just like rinse him off. I've yeah. got things he's to do. He's fine, he's
0: nine months, he can swim, right?
1: So <laughs> I instantly go to Twitter and I'm thinking, Oh I've been hacked You really
0: freaked out. But you know, it's not a big deal anymore because I think all you because DeAndre actually felt awful. got on Twitter and said, IG's been hacked, mm-hmm. working on it, whatever. It's but
2: such think, a violation. Was that when we were leaving for the San Francisco trip? It was when we were leaving for the oh. San Francisco trip. And then trip. I
0: like how you guys were just really breaking down the trade, why it would and wouldn't work. <laughs> like like Who Marcus was? Marcus still freaking out. I think it was me, you, and and maybe maybe some other people in oh, the I, bus. We were talking about the trade. Like, okay, but anyway, about this trade. Like, man, Sean for at Josh the time Gordon, there, We need this isn't really that balanced. Okay,
2: right. well, your foibles with uh social media I think have played yeah. into this because Last summer we went out to dinner, all of us at right. the uh, Greenbrier. We went to that pizza place, <laughs> and your family was with us. Oh yeah! And I think you got up to get a drink or something. Uh-huh. And uh, I think John asked Vanderkid one mm-hmm. something about like, uh, "What do you think of your dad on Twitter?" And <laughs> your son said he'll mess with you when you're typing something. And he said he'll like he'll put his get his finger kind of. And move it close to your head, and you be like, "Stop!" Because you're so oh, yeah. worried you're going to mess up and sound <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wrong. I
1: don't and want you're... him near that phone. You
0: want, you want no distractions when you're tweeting or on social. Well, that media. was
1: because of the Hard Knocks tweet too. Oh yeah, that went out.
2: But your son, we we had a good laugh that your son is already messing with. Can him we can
0: hard we hard just vaguely describe what happened? Because I think that I think that was worse. I'll tell the story. I think that was I worse. Mean, since
1: we started with this topic today, which <laughs> I don't know if it's a topic, but it kind of is. When Hard Knocks came here, and in this room. In this room, the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, which doubles as our digital TV studio, that's where Hard Knock set up Michigan, uh, Michigan Mission Control, and it was awesome. It looked like NASA in here, and I took a picture of it and I tweeted it out. Hard Knocks here to you know get things fired up for Camp 2015, <laughs> and I you know hashtagged it right. So I, I tweeted that out and then I go to Instagram and I go to set up a post there and I go hashtag heart and it's like heart and it spelled it wrong, it took the n out of Knox and I'm like, what? that means <laughs> that means on Instagram instantly I knew on Insta- on uh, Twitter. I must have done it wrong cuz it was it was like, "Oh, this is what you mean" because you spell it you like that. No, I don't like- spell it like that. Oh my gosh. So I went to Twitter and yes, I deleted it instantly, but somebody liked it. They didn't retweet it. So it was very quick. And it was JP Shadrick of the, Jags. the Jaguars. I called him up instantly and I just said, "JP, ta- oh, he re- he did retweet it." I said, "JP, take down that um take down that tweet right away."
0: Did he not notice it? He must not have noticed it. He
1: was like, okay. He was laughing, and he said, okay. He didn't even know okay, why. Okay, Mark, I think I will. Yeah, he did in that voice. <laughs> and then he took it down, and I called him right back, and I was t- checking, 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 and nobody else got it. I got it in time. Otherwise, You're lucky
0: there were no screenshots. That would have been, been
1: like a- Florio. That would have been you know, pro football. <laughs> t- that would have th- – it could have been a career ender. I'm not kidding. You I know,
0: d- that's an innocent mistake, Mark.
1: It's, but it's not – it's an innocent mistake, but it's a bad one. It's, it's a bad one. Bad one. It would have been like embarrassing. It's, it's not offensive necessarily necessarily it's just it was it borders on obscenity really well but that's it, I, unintentional
0: I, I i woke up this morning and i i thought of you when, yeah. when deandre's um instagram got hacked because it, it you felt awful and i hope he doesn't feel as awful because i think it just happens these days yeah um all right well it is you know we've got otas wrapping up this week and veteran mm-hmm. minicamp starts next week but it seems like it's been really busy around the building mm-hmm. we've had some special guests walking around here i mean i know it's not really a hot read
1: it's been a who's who around it's been here. a who's who Legends. for an off season
0: yeah um uh, Brett Favre was here. Yes. I know there, it's on Twitter now, so I did not I did not know. I thought they were speaking to the team, but apparently they're all shooting something for yeah. NFL Networks, mm-hmm. NFL 100. Brett Favre, Michael, Vick, and Steve Smith right. were all here in the building this week. How cool is that? Do you think they spoke to the team as well? I'm sure they sat down one-on-one with some of the players.
1: Uh, I would imagine they've talked to some of the players, yeah. And Vick was at practice. Vick was at practice. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we he saw was him at coming practice. in when we were walking out, and Vick – it's funny because you see Mike Vick and it's, oh, my gosh, it's Mike Vick. I was almost more starstruck for Mike Vick I was than I was Brett Favre. <laughs> Brett Favre, you know, I walked, didn't walk by him, but I saw him out in the lobby and, you know, they were busy doing something. I just thought, man, eh, it's Brett Favre. Um. I don't know. I wasn't totally shocked. It was kind of strange. Mike Vick, I kind of got a little goose seeing him. And, and you would think it would be the other way around maybe because, you know, I, I was I was firmly entrenched in the biz. When I learned about Mike Vick, I was at the University of Miami, a broadcast game. We played a couple of games against Virginia Tech at the time. And here with the Texans, he faced us when he was with Atlanta. uh, And the Texans won that game, that matchup. That's what you were going to say to him walking out of practice. Thursday night football. That's on right 10. You were at that game. The Texans are 1 no, and 1 all. I was not in no, game. Yeah, I was 1 here. and 1 all time against Mike Vick. Mark, Mark
0: was going to lead with that in his conversation with one. So the Hurricanes.
1: Because Vic blasted the Hurricanes in 99 in Blacksburg and in, and then in 2000 he was kind of banged up, kind of gimpy on an ankle at the Orange Bowl and the Canes beat him then. Well, I so think there.
0: that's uh, I think with everything happening with the NFL's 100th um, celebration this year, yeah. we've had a lot of things happening. Yeah, they were there the, cuz
2: there's, you know, J.J. J. Watt, That Favre was his hero. Vic was Deshaun Watson's hero, and Steve Smith was Hopkins' hero. So they they got all of those guys together. I can't well, wait to watch it. And J.J. You know.
0: J. Watt's on Peyton, Peyton's, Peyton's Places, which mm-hmm. I think is not quite the NFL 100. But it, I like how they're doing all this, mm-hmm. you know, celebratory stuff. The Texans, we've got our top 100 moments. Yes. That's running Coming right now barely. on oh, HoustonTexans.com. Oh, quickly here,
1: broadcasting hero, Drew, go. My, who's my broadcaster? Yeah, broadcasting yeah hero. I mean, you're talking about the heroes of these players, so let's go. Mm. While you think about no, that. No, I know Bob Deep-
2: Allen and Craig Reynolds, or Craig Roberts, excuse me, when I, growing up. Like, locally, those guys were okay. huge. That's who I, I really loved uh, and wanted to be like growing up. So, Very cool. Deepy's yeah, T- B- making a face. You're making a like, bad cheese face. You don't no, have. No,
0: I was like Linda Cohn, probably. Yes, great. I would say Linda Cohn
1: that's that's really interesting because someone that. told
0: me that I my style is similar to hers yeah. and I'd always looked up to her anyway mm-hmm. and I thought that was just the highest form of flattery anybody could give
1: me. I think it's great. She's so conversational in her delivery and bright and everything. So I I didn't I realize I was that.
0: making a bad cheese face. I just thought I don't want to. Oh, should I say well, that? I put you so, on the but, spot. Well, no, I, I don't want people to think that I think I'm Linda Cohn because I don't think that. But oh, I, please, I do, you, you know, just, I mean, I just, I, but I do. Drew, I really You,
1: Bob Allen, <laughs> breaking. DP Studio says she's Linda <laughs> is Cohn. exactly
0: like Linda Cohn. The, the late exactly. Bob Allen. What so about you, great. Mark? Uh, I
1: got two. You've probably got categories. Jimmy Page. Oh, wait a minute. That's guitar. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm just like him. I just need to a broadcast. (laughs) Uh, Dick Stockton to me is. In fact, it it gave me an idea for a podcast. I'm going to come up with this. And and I don't know if I'll run this on the air because it's so indulgent. But I'm going to play my favorite broadcasters and broadcast songs, uh, themes, You know, because we were doing Monday Night Football stuff the other day. We played the Monday Night Football theme, and I thought it'd be great to play. Like, this is what the NFL Today theme was. This all got us fired up. If you're a little longer in the tooth like me, that got you fired up for a Sunday of football. Or this is the old Monday Night Football theme or whatever comes up.
0: I love hearing the old Monday Night Football theme. I love hearing the Sunday uh, CBS NFL theme. I love seeing the graphics. Yes. That reminds me of my childhood. And the, the the big font. The big... Sort of Ooh. slanted font. Wait, isn't that the college football Yeah, one? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Love that. That, that also gets me fired I up. I still hear Vern's voice, even though he's not doing it anymore. But mm-hmm. he's doing golf still.
0: All right, so this week the assistant coaches were just a few rooms down from us. Mark, yes. you and Johnny sat down and talked with quite a few. Drew and I got a few of them on camera. I know, first of all, I should say John Perry's coming up in the next mm-hmm. segment. You guys... Had a chance to sit down with him. He talks wide receivers. There's a lot to talk about. And then later on in the show, John Harris, I'm going to bring him in. And we're going to break down OTAs a little bit further. I know there's not a lot you can see without pads, but trust me, John Harris sees enough. He sees all. He sees all of it. Mm-hmm. He watches their footwork and, you know, you can't ask him anything. All right, as far as the assistant coaches, big impressions that stuff because there were some new faces in there yesterday.
1: Well... The, I I go back to the tight end coach moving up and being OC, and how so many head coaches are coming from, and offensive coordinators are coming from that tight end coach position, and it's changed over the years because you had so many quarterbacks coaches becoming offensive coordinators, then head coaches, and now you've seen the tight ends coaches really move up, like Sean McVay is a great example of that. And I'll go back to my point about. That being a position, Coach, where you have to be so involved in the blocking scheme and the passing game. So those two things combined means that you're really into the whole offense, and that means it's a good chance for you to move up and understand if you do that well. Good understanding of the entire offense. Maybe you can become an offensive coordinator. That's where Kelly is right now. We'll see how he does. Clearly he wouldn't get this job if O'Brien didn't think he could handle it. Did great in the meetings. Ran some of the meetings. Shows leadership. You know, we saw him as a guy, you know, doing multiple hours of work after hours for so many years here and moving up. It's just a joy to see somebody on that. I don't want to say a fast track, but on track to continue to move up. Let's just hope he does well as offensive coordinator. Yeah, the
2: hybrid of having to – basically you're coaching a player who's an offensive lineman and a wide receiver in one and knowing what he what Mark just talked about. That's that's a big deal. And when I was talking with Perry yesterday, I was struck by the stuff he was saying about DeAndre Hopkins. Um, mm. Hopkins, he said – the line of questioning he was, he was getting asked about was, you know, what's Hopkins working on this offseason? What's he trying to improve? And – Perry talked about one, one thing per offseason. He really strives to make you know make a, a, a big leap in, tries to make a big improvement in. And he pointed out, he said in 2014 when we got here, if you go back and look at the tape, Hopkins was not very good on the sidelines. He was not very good at the sideline catches and getting his feet in and all that stuff. So that offseason, he really worked on it. And the next year, he's in the Pro Bowl. He is pulling down that touchdown at Cincinnati, which yeah. is – one of his greatest catches ever, and now he's the maestro at it. He's not just the best receiver in the game, he's the best along the sidelines too in catching that. And so each year he's worked on things. And that brought me back to my interview that I did with Hopkins this year at the draft when he was in Nashville. And I asked him, I was like, what, what have you worked on this year, this off season?" He said, well, I wanted to get stronger and I wanted to get faster because I think if if I had been more of those, both of those things, I wouldn't have worn down at the end of the season I wouldn't have gotten hurt I wouldn't mm. have gotten caught, yeah because remember he got hurt in the jets game, yeah, and he he, he said he wouldn't have gotten caught and, and messed up the ankle then so
0: but i to me I think that's one of his strong suits is how durable he is yeah, because yeah you no, he watch is. you watch like wide receivers around the league the fact that he had that streak going of
2: which makes it all the more impressive because that if he' st- that if he, that he does it, get that right. much stronger and that much faster look out because he's fast enough i mean that's People have said, well, he's not not a burner." Well, how many long touchdowns have we seen him run, have? Quite a few, you know. And he's he's fast enough. And if he's working on his speed and, and building that up and getting faster, I mean, it's 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 going to be a fun fun season again, you know, for DeAndre Hopkins of this offense.
0: DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, Kiki Guti, and a number of wide receivers competing ends, for that yeah. that last spot. Uh, John Perry is going to join us in the next segment of this show, also. Andre Johnson talked to us, and he had some very interesting things to say about what his conversations with DeAndre Hopkins are like, how he helps guide some of these young receivers. We'll get into that and John Perry. And then John Harris, obviously, coming up later on in the show. Texans All-Access, don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Texans All-Access. We've got wide receivers coach John Perry joining us in a little bit. But before we do, Andre Johnson now on the coaching staff as an assistant uh, to the head coach, to Bill O'Brien. And helping out wherever he can, I would expect he'd be helping out with the wide receivers. And he talked about as much yesterday. Drew, you also wrote a story about this.
2: Yeah, he's uh, he's the advisor to the head coach and the GM, and somebody on Twitter, some Weisenheimer, was like, uh, "Oh, they made him Dwight Schrute." And I so I did. <laughs> advisor is much greater than a assistant to <laughs> the regional manager. So, yeah, he's right now he's he's been on the field and he's been around the wide receivers quite a bit. And John Perry talked about how much it it's helpful having a guy like andre johnson who he played at the highest level has so much knowledge and was so great at what he did that he can impart all this wisdom on these guys and he said you know they they'll come ask me things and i'll also volunteer and and give ideas and and tell them hey you should try this he's he's giving unsolicited advice yeah. so because he realizes, you know, he, we've all heard the famous Arian Foster story. How Arian was so nervous around him as a rookie in 09 yeah. that he sent him an email before he'd ever spoken <laughs> yeah. to him, like not a text. But I would like those. your email. And so and Andre went up to him and was like, "Hey, you, you can just come up and talk to me next time <laughs> if you want." And so he realizes that, and so he'll he'll go tell guys stuff because he knows people will be or can be nervous around him. This
0: is one thing that I found very very interesting because. Andre Johnson is – see, he seems very unapproachable because he's quiet and, you know, everybody really respects him. But the fact that he realized that about himself and has said, I know that sometimes guys won't come to me. I'll go to them with feedback. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing I was wondering was when you play at such a high level, is it hard to teach other guys to do what you do? Because maybe it comes so naturally to you. He did say that that took a little bit of adjusting because – the way he phrases things, and, and he said it was more an experience thing.
2: Yeah, like, but I, I think it wasn't as hard for him. I mean, it was hard for, in a degree, but, it's, but it's he worked so hard at it. I mean, he was mm-hmm. a physical specimen, yes, and was so physically talented, yes. But the way he – I I heard scouts talk about this when he played. The way he disguised where he was going to go or what he was going to do at the line of scrimmage, you never knew what he was going to do. It's, you didn't know – he didn't tip his pitches, so to right. speak. When he lined up, you didn't know if he was going to block you. You didn't know if he was going to go deep. You didn't know – I mean, that's one of the things he did, and he was such a student of the film, student of the game, that that's something you can kind of teach to guys and, 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 and let them know about.
0: He said he – said, there, there was one instance he said – you know, I asked uh, – you know, I'll ask a player like, hey, don't you feel that coverage – like yeah, that's yeah. how that's you know th- that's how instinctive it is, yeah. Devin, in the guys. Yeah, he's part Jedi like, too. So these that, young guys are like, tough. no, I, I don't feel that. So he realizes he has to stop. And explain I feel it. the
1: pain when I get tackled. <laughs> that's what I'm feeling here.
0: Don't you just feel the ball in your general vicinity? Yeah. And DeAndre Hopkins, how about the fact that, and we know from last year at the Greenbrier, Andre came out to practice. Hopkins was talking to him after just practice reps. He said that. Even a guy like DeAndre Hopkins still comes up to him and asks him questions. I think that's such a great precedent for the rest of the team to see.
2: Oh, yeah. It shows that the best is still trying to get better. I well, go back to
1: uh, Bill O'Brien's first year. We had a mic'd up during OTAs, and he was coaching some sort of move off the line of scrimmage for wide receivers, and Andre Johnson did it. He said, we don't have to coach it. Just watch him do it, <laughs> you know, in his loud practice voice. That's your Bill that O'Brien that practice? That wasn't a very good impression, but I was trying to do the loud thing It goes into a higher pitch. Never
2: mind.
0: <laughs> Well, John Perry talked about all of his duties as wide receiver coach and all these very talented players that he's got right now on the roster. Let's get into it. You guys sat down with him yesterday. Wide receivers coach, John Perry.
1: Welcome to Clements Rangers Hotline here (laughs) from NRG Stadium. Well, I just want to start here, Coach, because you have a son that plays quarterback for a local high school, Clements, and I know that you you get there Friday night, you see the game. What is that like to be the coach of an NFL team and your son is playing the game? for a big high school in texas
3: yeah watching this uh 6a football down here is really amazing these these coaches do a great job they really prepare their teams it's really fun so it's nice to step back honestly and that's one of the huge benefits of being an nfl coach is that you know friday nights you do kind of get your time to yourself so you know texas friday night lights i'm able to get to almost every one of his games beautiful it's been awesome
4: so how are you as a dad slash fan versus
3: John Perry, wide receivers coach. My guess is if you talk to my wife, Jennifer, she, she would have a different opinion, but I think I'm pretty mellow. I don't know. We'll see. She would probably have a different opinion, but we'll, we'll leave that for another show.
4: Okay, so let me present a scenario because at my alma mater, we have a brand-new football coach who you are related to. What would happen if your son would end up playing for your brother?
3: How do you think that would go? There'd be a couple phone calls during the week telling them, hey, this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. Yeah, we're really excited. My brother James, you know, I know Coach O'Brien was excited when he got the job at at Brown. And, you know, he was down here uh, about a week ago. And, you know, he had a chance to come out and watch us do some OTAs. And, you know, we, we, we know he'll do a really, really good job there.
1: John Perry joining us on Texans Radio. Okay, it looks like you have a really good group out there, very deep, diverse group. I know not everybody's able to practice because of injuries or whatever, but what do you think of the group overall that you're coaching right now?
3: I, I think it's just a really good gro- group because, you know, when you look at DeAndre and Will and just the way they're approached this offseason, even from an injury standpoint, they're great in the training room, and then when they come into the meeting rooms, they're uh communicative in you know and pointing out things to the younger players and really absorbing some of the things that we're talking about anyway so that's that's where it starts and then you know uh, uh, other than those guys you really don't have any and you know you call those the veterans in our group and they're both young players themselves and then you know you have uh you know a a good stock of young players um that you know includes a lot of different guys and a lot of different skill sets and and where is uh, we were very close last year to being where we want to be as a room in terms of, you know, skill side, skill set diversity. And, uh, you know, I think we're even getting closer with that, you know, with some of these college free agents we brought in. And, and that's so critical in our room because if you just have every guy be the same – we can't take advantage of the defense we wanted the way we want to. And and so we're getting closer to having a full skill set diversity group, and and that's really exciting for me. Coach, you've been there
4: every step of the way for for Will, and we started to see that last year, especially week two. He missed week one. He comes back in week two against Tennessee, and you could see that up until he gets hurt against Miami.
3: What was so key to his progress last year, and what have you seen in his growth since he's been here? Well, one of the things – we talked about, uh, you know, when, when I first got into the receiver room was just, you know, just catching the ball on a consistent basis, and, and he did a really good job of that two years ago. And then, you know, last year up until when he got hurt, he didn't have any drops. So we were really excited about that. Um, the thing that we talked about last off season with him was just, you know, getting stronger and doing a great job in the weight room and just increasing his play strength. And, and the way I watched that, out on the field as he grew last year was incredible. And and the best thing about that is, you know, when I asked Will, I said, do you feel stronger out there? His his first initial reaction was like, no. And then I showed him some examples of where it showed up. Yeah, And he was like, wow, you're right. You know, like some times where maybe he got out battled for the ball a couple of years ago where last year he was battling for that ball. And so that's really encouraging for a coaching standpoint is just watching these guys like take it take the opportunity to look in a mirror and say, this is what I need to do to get better. And both those guys have done that in the time I've been here. And now you're starting to see that trickle down into a guy like Kiki Kuti, who has been out there every single day for us here in OTAs. And, you know, so like that kind of, you know, unspoken leadership from Hop and Will has really, uh, you know, going to pay a lot of dividends as we go forward.
1: With QT and Vincent Smith, you're looking for a year one to year two jump here. So what about
3: that with each of those guys? So a lot of pressure on those guys in terms of that because a lot of people talk to him about that, year one to year two. So, again, I think the big thing is just making sure you look at yourself and say, okay, what are the things that I can get better at? One of the things we really try to stress with Kiki because he's a very instinctual player is just saying, hey, we got to look at – recognizing coverages from that standpoint doing that earlier pre-snap post-snap and he's really worked on that both in the meeting room and on the field and you get so many different looks from um coach cornell that you know just it, it makes it a lot easier for him to you know work on that and then from vincent you know, the big thing is really just being able to be confident to know that, like, you know, last year I think the jump from limestone to here was, you know, an enormous jump. So I think just, you know, feeling like, hey, I belong. And, you know, and then being able to, like, break down, okay, here's the things I need to work on, you know, from that. And and he knows that there's, you know, enough things there to fill all of OTAs, and, and he's really taking a great approach this, this offseason to doing that, and, and you're seeing some improvement there. So
1: it's good coach we appreciate the time best of luck thank you very much all
0: right john perry always a lot of fun to chat with he's one of drew's favorites i think
2: he's great he uh turned 50 years old this week and floating around there on the internet is some video of him from his university of new hampshire days when he was a wide receiver and the guy had wheels <laughs> i saw a video of him I scoring a 64 yard touchdown pat i mean made some moves at the end and he Did you celebrated. retweet this? No, no, it's not on Twitter. At least oh. I haven't found it on Twitter. But he was celebrating and going bananas. Mm. And you can see his enthusiasm is, was infectious as a player. And, and now you see it as a coach as well when he's coaching. He's a lot
0: of fun to watch out there. And these wide receivers are going to be fun too. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, one final segment. John Harris goes deep into OTAs, talks about what he's seen so far and sort of what to expect heading into Veterans Minicamp. That's all coming up. One final segment of Texans All Access. All Access. Welcome back for the final segment of Texans All Access. Joining me now my good friend John Harris. This is really I should call it the John Harris segment because I like to <laughs> I like to have you in for the final segment of the show. We sort of hit all the highlights and the and the big topics throughout the the, the rest of the show, but right. I feel like this is where we can really go under the surface and really talk about what's going on in OTAs because I know a lot of people are aware of OTAs. Yeah. It's the final week. I get random questions on Twitter about particular <laughs> players and I I'm like, listen. It's OTAs. Like we get, we go out there for an hour, hour and a half, yeah. once a week, and there are no pads. It's, I think that's the one thing. It's very that people, hard to determine anything right now.
4: People, people forget that a lot. But yeah, with the line, you can't. You really. It was funny today. I was when I was coming down here um, to do this. I ended up behind the defensive linemen, and I was behind the defensive line rookies, and I know them by name. I mean, I I know them by name, and the names are familiar. I see Albert Huggins and Johnny Dwight, and a few guys that that people just haven't heard anybody talk about because we don't really know what they can do.
0: And we because, see even le- and we see even less of them
4: right, at O T. Exactly, as, that's the point because they're they're in shorts and t-shirts. Basically, we don't even know what these guys can do. That's why we've been talking about these rookies. That's why Tyron Johnson has been talked about from oklahoma state because you can see the receivers you can see the dbs you can obviously watch the throw the football you have no idea what the, the linemen are doing now <laughs> i'm one of those sick individuals because i've been doing this for a long time when they're out in shorts and t-shirts and would have to do with my old players when i was coaching just watching footwork watching just kind of the little things and seeing how it's going to translate is that going to translate when they do put pads on trying to figure that out but even at that point it's really really hard but here's the other aspect, and, I, and I'm I'm glad you brought this up. We are we're out there for an hour and fifteen, hour and a half maybe, watching one of every three practices. So there are two practices that go on during the week that we don't eat. We don't. We don't. See. We don't see. So there's a lot that's transpiring in those two practices. So trying to figure out from week one to week two, week two to week three, what exactly has gone on and what has exactly transpired. Like, okay, this guy is at this position doing these things. Last week he was with the other group. Now he's with this group. Now, and it's like, wow, man, it's just so hard. So I just try to take it at face value when I go out there and watch. And, okay, the day I'm watching, what did I see? What did we see? Okay, we saw this guy do well. So saw this guy do well. And a lot of it goes back to the receivers and DBs just because that's where you actually get to see the, the action, Really is with those particular positions in this camp but I'll tell you this there's one thing that I that I know for a fact that if Kiki QT is healthy for 16 games he's going to be a serious problem for people I agree He's unbelievable He's getting routes. and he's
0: getting a lot of reps right now A ton Obviously without yeah. Fuller and Hopkins out right. there but to see QT out there also uh, you know, I think he just looks stronger. I was mentioning this. You, to Seth yeah, you Payne. and I talked about that. And he first practice he, we He saw. wrote down a note, and I was like, "Well, don't quote me on it because I haven't asked him specifically." Yeah. But it, I know that he was working on those issues this off season, and it looks like he's gotten stronger. I know a lot of guys. I I talked to Will Fuller last year, and you know, he obviously he. I mean, towards ACL, there's not much you can do yeah. about that, but. He had said the, that off season he trained with a bodybuilder, put yep. on a lot of weight mm-hmm. because there's certain injuries that can be avoided right. if you put on that extra weight. Some of those soft tissue injuries, yep. some of those rib injuries, obviously torn ACL, things like that, broken bones. You cannot because even JJ Watt broke bones in his legs. Yep. But you know, to see him out there and see him healthy. Also, I think the tight ends look phenomenal yeah, right they're, now. there's such Cause a. That's they're... another group that we've really been able to watch, and I think it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a problem if they don't keep four tight ends yeah. because, I mean, it's a great problem to have, but every time I see Jordan Thomas out there, I I really can see the jump that he's made from year one. to I think anybody can. Yep. He just looks so comfortable and fluid. Yep. Also, Deshaun Watson, I think that's one, that's one thing that we are able to see, the progress that he's made from offseason to offseason, because we saw what he did last OTAs. Mm-hmm. He was out there. He wasn't out there for team. He was out there right. for individual, but... This is really his first offseason where he's – it's his show. Right. He's out there from beginning to end the entire time.
4: I was in uh, – I was – yesterday I went on with uh, a guy named Brent Martineau in Jacksonville, Brent Martineau and former Jaguar Austin Lane uh, on ESPN 930. They've got a new station down there. And Brent used to be the afternoon guy on the flagship for the Jaguars in ten ten, and he moved over um, with Austin. They do the show. And so I met Brent for the first time at the combine. So we were talking – and I uh, just wanted to introduce myself to him because I saw him doing some stuff for video. He also uh, is the news director, I think, at the CBS affiliate there. And so we were talking. He's like, hey, man, come on my show. I was like, okay. So he called me, and I, I came on the show. And So he's asking me about the, the Texans, and they asked me about Gibson. And then he got to Deshaun. And I don't blame him for this. I wasn't mad at him for, for he said this. He said, John, I'm still sort of curious about Deshaun. He goes, I'm not trying to be a hater. I'm not trying to be negative about him. But I think a lot was expected, and yet maybe he's not thought of in that same category as Patrick Mahomes. And as he's asking the question, like I'm like, I get it. I get it. But the flip side of it, and, and I think you just said it, DP, here was a guy last year that threw for over 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, ran for over 500 yards, and had six touchdowns rushing. He's the only player in NFL history to do that. Coming off an ACL, without Will Fuller for eight games, having been sacked 62 times, did not have Deontay Foreman for the majority of the year. I'd just say for the year, basically. Was
0: dealing with some major injury was, in the middle of that patch. Right, was
4: dealing with an injury himself because of the pounding he was taking. And yet he led the team, the AFC South Championship. He led, he He put up those kind of numbers, and... People still doubt him. And I can see that. And Brent's not the only one. And I'm not putting Brent on blast. I think Brent's great. But, I think, but I he think, asked a valid question. But I, I, it's I a question I think, nationally yes, that nationally. people are asking. And like, and he's like, what's the vibe in Houston? And I said, look, I don't want to make excuses. I said, I'll just give you reasons. And I, and I kind of outlined that. And I said, what happens if you take those sacks and you cut them from 62, say you cut them in half, cut 62 to 31? That's 31 more passing attempts. And maybe you complete 24 of them. Let us say you, 20, 20 to 24. Five of those are going for touchdowns at a minimum. That's Now you're up to 30 touchdowns, which break the record that Mark has always talked about. Now you're in that 30 touchdown of your category. And you didn't have Fuller for eight weeks. So that's another five to six at a minimum. So now you're starting to talk about 35, 36. And we really haven't talked about the fact that he's now coming in healthy for the first time. He has he has the uh, run of the offense now that he's been here in his third year. So you've got all of that. You've got to think that with Foreman being back, that will help the run game. Fuller being back, QT being fully healthy. You have all those things going for you. I think the one thing that Deshaun has to do this year is have one of those games nationally where he goes – you know, with Mahomes. Against Mahomes. Like, he goes toe-to-toe with Mahomes. And he has one of those games like he had at New England and Seattle. Um, New England, Seattle, or Philadelphia last year. And then they win the game. And then it's also like, whoa, wait a second. Uh, check out what Deshaun Watson's doing. Because this thing can flip on a dime. Because last year, we were talking about Carson Wentz. Oh, if Carson stays healthy, he was in an MVP candidate, uh, a classification. But then Wentz has a not great year. Full steps in, leads them to the playoffs, and it's like, wait, hey, how good is Carson Wentz? This thing kind of rides the waves for guys, especially in right. the first five years.
0: But I think, but, you're, to your point, it's that's what the national conversation is, because I think people right. that are in Houston that are following the team, right. I mean, I don't think anybody looks at Deshaun Watson and says, oh, he's just not as good as we thought he'd be. Right. I don't really hear anybody saying that. I think everybody sort of understands the right. limitations this team had, especially with all the injuries, and then the offensive line being young. Yep. And you lose Chantrell Henderson in week one. All of a sudden, right. you're shuffling guys around. And it took you a few weeks to figure out what that exactly. right fit was going to be. And even then, your guards are banged up for the rest of the year. Zach right. Fulton was hurt. Sunil, Sunil Calamete was hurt. Yep. Still those guys played. Yep. Still the team got wins. But just imagine. I know every team has its share of injuries, but I think I don't really look at it like, oh, but Deshaun Watson didn't live up to the potential. I, yeah. I, I mean, he's only
4: – he's really in his first full year as a last starter. Last year
0: was the first year he passed 16 games. Yeah, so – And it, I know Mahomes also was was young, but, you know, I, I think – I would have liked to see that Kansas City Texans game be a primetime game. I I'm thought re- it should have been. I, I'm disappointed I that it wasn't. I think – I don't know who makes these decisions and what went behind that not being <laughs> – I do. who doesn't want to see those two go toe-to-toe?
4: I do. It, I, he's my former quarterback. <laughs> I, i'm not i'm not kidding my when uh when i first got and i told the story yesterday in jacksonville when i first got to jacksonville and i was the, the head junior high coach my quarterback is um he's a man by the name of blake jones and i had him for eighth and ninth grade and he is now the he's one of the five people that helps with the schedule he is the he is now the senior director of broadcasting
0: oh okay
4: so when i see him i'm gonna be like Why? Because I see him periodically, and I see him for the playoff game, and it's just always interesting to see him. So when I see him, I'm going to be like, Blake, you can't put Mahomes and Watson on primetime, bro. Like, Like, that's your deal. You're the senior director of broadcasting, Blake. I mean, You could have made this happen.
0: (laughs) You could have made it happen. I know there's there's plenty of opportunities for the Cowboys to be on primetime. There's plenty of opportunities for the Giants to be on primetime. But this is your one shot of putting Mahomes and Watson. Same year. Everyone makes the comparison. It's like – I mean, I don't know. It's probably too early to say like how when Peyton Manning and Tom Brady would go against each other, like everybody wanted to stop and watch that game. But I feel like this next generation of quarterbacks, there's a lot of intrigue there. Yeah. Because you know they're 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 fun. They're a lot of fun to watch. Well,
4: here's what we're up against: the Steelers are going to the Chargers. That's the game they put on Sunday Night Football.
0: But I mean, we've seen. Okay, we have we not seen Big Ben and Philip Rivers. And you got to see it will. at that
4: bandbox stadium out in L.A. too. <laughs> that soccer stadium. I mean, if it was the new stadium, like, like it just I could, doesn't televise I could, well. I could see that, but <laughs> yeah. Here's the other. Here's the other thought: the Colts and Chiefs play on Sunday night the week before.
0: So maybe it's a matter of you've got the Chiefs having so many primetime games. The Texans did. Really, the Texans really don't have that many, which I think from our other than what, we've got what three, not including London. Got
1: the Monday night. I
0: don't count London as.
4: Got the Monday night. Against the London Saints to start off the season, got the Sunday night against the Patriots later in the season. You got the Thursday night against the Colts. Yeah, later in the season. So and then, the, and then London, and then London, and then potentially that game with Tampa Bay over uh, the weekend before Christmas, which that might be I nationally kinda, televised.
0: It might be nationally televised. It may not be prime. It's kind
4: of like the Jets game last year. Yeah, it, it, it might end up like that where it's nationally televised. But still, nationally but, nationally televised game, man, we'll take it. I will
0: take it too. They could have nationally televised the Chiefs and the Texans. That's true. Anyway, that was that was my beef with that. Um, Running backs. I think that's another interesting thing that we are sort of watching in OTAs. Obviously, you don't have a good handle, but how much have you seen out of the running backs? I know everyone's questioning that number three spot. We Mm -hmm. we talked to the assistant coaches yesterday, and uh, Danny Barrett. Danny Barrett. Well, you know, he (laughs) he listed a number of guys that he said, you know, we're doing well. Obviously, Buddy Howell, Taiwan Jones. Do you think the number three back? Is on this roster right now?
4: It's a great question. I think so. I, I think so. Watch. I was watching Buddy Holly yesterday run the football, and it's interesting because last year we didn't even get a chance to see him run the football. I mean, he was strictly a special teamer. You could have put his his position on the program and put <laughs> ST, and it would it would have fit. He just didn't get any time at running back. But Deontay Foreman. I know people have talked about that a lot, but I talked about this last night at All Access. Just one. There was one run that they mixed in to a team period and I couldn't quite see who got the ball. I could just see helmets, and I just saw this helmet blur, and I was like, whoa. And I knew it was a run. I could see that. I just couldn't see who the running back was. And then the running back popped out, and I was like, whoa, that was quick. And it was Deontay. I was like, whoa, I man. remember that
0: run because so, he, he did. He looks spry.
4: He does. He looks very quick. He looks, And I, and I think that's a, that's a definite X factor, and I said that a few months ago, and I'll say it all the way through the season. I think Deontay Foreman being able to provide a one-two punch because he and Lamar are different. I think that is the kind of thing that really can make your offense layered and, and different and complex for defenses to have to try and stop. So I think that's where Foreman really, really helps. As I told them at Jacksonville, Lamar's very good in his own game. Like, he's very good in his own running game. He's really gotten comfortable in it. Not that he can't run other things, but that's where he's really comfortable. But Deontay, I think, can run a few different things, so you can be multiple with your two running backs. Yeah,
0: you don't have running backs with the exact same skill set. They're very different.
4: Here's to, to your point a little while ago, you mentioned tight ends and keeping four. I I think – an, And you've got, and you, and you got a fullback, too, I know, which I, I guess
0: that kind of goes – Well, therein lies the point.
4: Is, do you look at wide receivers, tight ends, running backs and say, okay, we're keeping X number total ah. as opposed to – X number of wide receivers, X number of tight ends, X number of running backs. Because yeah. it's really hard to envision a team without having a guy like Darren Fells. Because I see Fells, and I just see the impact that he can have not only from a play standpoint. He is large. But a leadership standpoint, too. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, okay, Hopkins, Fuller, QT. Those three. Then you look at Vincent Smith, and you're like, man, Vincent's been so good this spring. Like He's taking that leap. I can't imagine him not being on this team. Then it starts getting sticky because you've got some young guys that are in the fold, Tyrant Johnson. You see him, and you go, "Wow, that's a rookie. You really want to keep him around?" Kind of like Vincent last year. Yeah, you he's, see he him. Le- he's
0: looked good enough. He's definitely so looked
4: good. Mm-hmm. Did you see Stevie Mitchell? Yeah, like, man, he's quick. Johnny Dixon was undrafted free agent. Man, if you keep four tight ends, how many receivers can you keep? But wait a second, you've got two running backs. But I like Buddy Howell. I really like demari Crockett. Man, your numbers are going to get squeezed here, and that that's going to be really sticky. It's a great problem to have. But you got to keep, obviously, everybody healthy, and that's not something the Texans have been lately. But if they stay healthy, well, you've actually got some options with your numbers. So I don't know if I think about it, why do she running backs tight ends as opposed to think about the whole group? How many of those guys can you keep? And then, okay, if you keep an extra offensive skill guy, are you pulling away from linebacker? Are you pulling away from safety? Are you pulling – where else are you going to pull guys – where are you going to pull a number from? That's where it starts getting really, really complicated, I think, with this group. I think in the past few years you looked at it and went, okay, I think these guys are going to be the five receivers or they're going to be the six receivers or whatever. I think now I look at it and go, I'm pretty sure in the first three, I'm pretty confident of, of Vincent, but the next two, throw darts at it. But the thing is, is if you're throwing darts, sometimes when you say that, Like, oh, you just pick anybody. Not really. You've got some good options for five and six if you keep six wide receivers. So I think in years past when you're keeping five and six, you're like, man, number six is just – Too good to not keep. He's not going to be a guy that you're going to have on the 46-man roster.
0: Well, I think also in training camp, and I hate to say this, but the injuries are going to dictate where that that shift is going to happen because it seems like every year in training camp – there's some wide receivers are hurt and you have and you and you don't have a choice. You have yeah, to keep the so extra. It's scary. I hate it's that. It's scary. I don't want to. I don't want to talk. But I feel like we always. No, but you're right. We, it's always, had had in tra- we always had in a reality of it. We always head into training camp like we have. The, you know, this position group is really stacked, and then you'll have an injury somewhere else. Right. And then you know that's that's the position group that becomes the one that you have to have extra depth.
4: At. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. And we. I mean, what was that? Uh, what Was the first year we went to Green Bay, 2017? It seemed like every receiver died, and then they'd bring receivers in, and then they would. They would die. It was like Andrew <laughs> White came in, looked great for two days, and then he got hurt. And then Bruce Ellington came in, and hey, Bruce might stick, but then he got banged up a little bit. Now we got to bring in these other guys.
0: That was completely my fault because the day that I left West Virginia, I came home for four days.
4: Oh, that's right. Um, that's
0: the day Will Fuller broke his collarbone. Oh. had I not left, we would have been totally fine. I apologize. Everybody. Oh, I can't.
4: Even, I don't even want to. Remember I know. I,
0: remember that. I came home and I saw the alert and I thought, I don't even want to. What? That. <laughs> I just remember
4: it's funny because I saw the past play. I didn't think much of it, and I went to look back at the next play and I look and will still down I'm like no.
0: and then it, and then you're right it was it was a blur of wide receivers that got signed in the next week. Bruce Ellington came in and just bring them his all in, credit like, his credit in. he he picked up stuff right away, which is he what did. they needed at the time
4: they needed that and and Bruce made some plays and and you know they've gotten to a position now where you know last year where they've improved the position where that they've got Kiki QT and they've got a guy like Johnny Dixon, Tyron Johnson, bringing in some young guys. I just think the receivers have gotten better and better. And we talked to John Perry uh, about that, and he he was just very matter of fact about what guys had to do to really break into that unit. He talked about QT what he had to do, um, and and I think Kiki's done that. But man, he, if there's been an MVP, if you will, of of OTAs um QT it's, <laughs> yeah it's it's probably it's probably Kiki because he's just well,
0: trying I, to cover
4: him is like I and Mercury we and we all tweet
0: goes, we have there's a little bit of a shooting period where we can tweet and take pictures and videos and it's funny because it's very hard to not tweet a highlight or a video of QT catching a pass from yeah. from Deshaun because it looks spectacular and usually the wide receivers are right in front of us anyway but um anyway we'll be back next week we'll actually get to see more of veteran mini camp we'll be out there every single day. That's just three days. That's next week. Johnny, thanks so much. Thank you, DP. Thanks so much for listening. As always, that's going to do it for Texans All Access. Check out HoustonTexans.com for all the latest stories, coverage, highlights, and more. And as always, go Texans. As always.